0: Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Coon.
1: Gabe Coon was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather
0: was the inventor of the easy baked oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. It's game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Friday out there, 901 Day, September 1st, 2023. Welcome in to the Gabe Kuhn Show. I'm your host, Gabe Kuhn, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on Twitter at G underscore Kuhn71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X on Twitter at C Dunning929. Connor, what's the word, brother? How are you? What's up, man? Happy yeah. 901 Day. Happy 901 Day to you. Um, and also, ACC realignment day. <sighs> the news is official, it, it's official. California, Stanford, and SMU all headed to the ACC. Cut payments for two, no payments for the other. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I am of the hope before we even get into that conversation, Connor. This is the last we have to talk about realignment while the football season rages on. I, I pray to
1: God. I, I, yes, I pray. I pray to the football God. The Lord that this is the last above.
0: Time. I'm praying that this is the last we have to talk about realignment until next offseason.
1: Yes, unless somehow Memphis jumps into a power five. Yeah. Don't think it's going to happen.
0: I guess there's going to be some discussion about the AAC and who they're going to get to replace SMU, but we'll get to that too. Yeah. Off the top of the show. Also, week one, Thursday football, Utah hammers Florida, even with a backup quarterback. I saw that one coming from a mile away. 24 to 11. And I I know I said hammers, but they didn't let Florida do anything on offense. And Florida – shot themselves in the foot a million different times. Nebraska is still Nebraska, but we'll tell you what we learned as we opened week one yesterday. As far as guests are concerned, loaded day today. Loaded day today. 4.30, Memphis football beat reporter Frank Bonner will join the show. Again, from the Daily Memphian, ahead of Bethune-Cookman on Saturday in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. What does he expect to learn? What does he think of the ACC and the moves they just made? 5 o'clock, similar things with Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show on the Daily Memphian. Then 5.30, first uh, edition, uh, and he will, he will stay with us throughout the football season. But Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, he'll give you some picks for the weekend. How about that? And then we'll have some NFL picks coming up next week, but we'll get you the 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 slate for college football week one, if you want to go use FanDuel, one of your sports books, Lee will give you the picks that you need to have. And then being that it's not a one day at 6 o'clock, if you didn't get to hear yesterday at 4.30, Brady White, former Memphis Tiger quarterback, joined the show. And I uh, I feel it necessary to run it again because Brady was phenomenal yesterday, very open, very honest. And we got to reminisce on his days at the University of Memphis, really good days, and did uh, you know, made it to the Cotton Bowl, 8-3 his final year. Uh, set a whole bunch of records at the University of Memphis. I thought he was phenomenal. So in honor of 901 Day, we'll replay that interview at 6 for your listening pleasure. And then uh, 6.30 Blitz, we have Matt Corral news. Matt Corral waved by the Panthers but picked up by the old New England Patriots. And he's going to be the backup quarterback. He's not on practice squad with Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, which kind of surprises me. It's an interesting move. And uh, Alabama has named a starter for opening week against uh, Middle Tennessee State. And that's been one of the biggest quarterback mysteries throughout this offseason. What's Alabama going to do? Jalen Milroe, Ty Simpson, or Tyler Bookner? We'll tell you who won that um, as we get into the Blitz and then the Rewind at 6.50, of course. Now, uh, no, no other place to start. We have SMU, Cal, Stanford to the ACC. They got the requisite votes. They flipped, as Connor and I predicted... They flipped North Carolina State. The weak one. They flip North Carolina State. So the only schools opposed were Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. And that doesn't surprise me. They have had discussions this entire offseason about potentially leaving the ACC at some point because they feel like they have too many mouths to feed already, and now they have three more mouths to feed, theoretically. Um, but it is interesting. Cal and Stanford are moving to the ACC, and— They're going for the first seven years to only take 30% of their media rights payout. By year 10, they'll finally get a full payout. But that's 10 years from now when they'll finally get a a, a full payout. And SMU, even worse so, it's being reported. I've seen seven and I've seen nine years, but it's being reported nine years. They're going to take no money in media rights. No money, zero. And they're going to be traveling coast to coast with Cal and Stanford on the West and everybody else in the ACC on the, on the East. Obviously, regionality is dead, but SMU is going to have to fork up how much money by the end of this whole thing. With travel expenses, what they're putting forward and not getting paid anything. Right, They're not going to be able to cut into the expenses at all. Right, because we, But they, they have know. the ability to do it. They're, they're rich. They have money. I understand that. But this is an interesting precedent that they've set. They bought their way into a conference by saying, hey, we don't want to get paid. We just want to be in a good spot in the power structure. There is a massive level from all three schools, more so, most so from SMU, very desperate. Very desperate to fit in in the future college athletics.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and to your point, we already know that SMU is at minimum going to be paying somewhere around $210 million to make this move. When it's all said and done, it's probably going to be closer to about $400 million when you talk about travel expenses and things like that. One thing that I have found interesting, um, you know, this is kind of a spinoff of this conversation, but I, I don't think people understand how much, why why schools keep talking about regionality with this conference, realignment, consolidation, whatever you want to call it, it costs a lot of money to travel across, across the country yes. with a full football team and with any sport, really. It, that, that All of those expenses add up over time. That's why that keeps being brought up. I, some fans, I think, keep acting like that's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Like, go having to go from the East Coast, literally going from the East Coast to the West Coast costs a lot of money, period. So it's just, this is nuts that SMU is able to do this move. And to your point, I have a small fear, not may 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 not be that small that this could set a precedent moving forward not not for conferences to say hey you want to come here you got to pay up look what smu did
0: yes especially for a group of five school trying to get into that power structure right they know how i mean the truth is these power conferences know how desperate that these teams are these universities are so I think they'll take advantage of the situation going forward. I hope that's not the precedent, but seeing what SMU did does make me feel that way. What's also very interesting to me, ultimately, for the ACC, you know Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina are angry. In May, there was an ACC official that talked with Brett McMurphy and said, we already have too many mouths to feed. That's not the answer in regards to expansion. Four months later, they add Stanford, Cal, and SMU. And I think most of the time, like when you look at expansion talks, and uh, adding teams to your conference, it's usually unanimous. It's usually a unanimous vote. Oklahoma and Texas were that for the SEC. All the teams that went to the the, the Big Ten from the Pac-12 were, were unanimous. You usually wait till you get unanimity, and then you add the schools. Clearly, they're not all on the same page here, though. And I, I, I sort of understand Jim Phillips, the ACC commission was talking about sort of strength in numbers. We have to make sure that, that we – uh, position ourselves as best as possible for the changing landscape of college football and college athletics as a whole. But if you have peeved Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson to the point where they're going to leave, California, Stanford, and SMU do not really help you recover what could potentially be lost. Right. And that, that that's something that's interesting to me. Now, I guess that it's more, it's like a softer landing, getting a few more schools in there. Uh, the Stanford, Cal, and SMU, it's a softer landing. But if you have pissed off those schools to the point where they're ready to leave at the drop of a hat, you sort of wonder what the ACC can do to recover on the back end.
1: Well, it, what I found extremely interesting were the comments from UNC today because they've been, they've been vocal about not wanting to add people, but they haven't necessarily come out right and said it. And I do think that NC State being the school that made the flip rubbed them a bit the wrong way And if you're the ACC and UNC is all of a sudden starting to, you know, have hostile comments, that's got to be worrisome. That's got to be worrisome because that's the pillar of the ACC is UNC, Clemson, FSU. Those are the three big ones in the ACC. So you cannot, like you said, if they decide to bail, it's a different ACC, but the strength and numbers thing will make it a softer landing while still being a big deal if they leave. One thing that I found really interesting in the the secret big winner of this move is Notre Dame. You, know, yep. you want to know why? They get a cut. They get a cut of that uh, $50, $60 million pot that's going to be made because of this move. And they're getting a cut. That is a sneaky, sneaky, Notre Dame sneaky, posi- sneaky
0: Notre Dame. Notre Dame always positions themselves <laughs> in a good spot. I do that. And they still don't have to align, and they still get what they want with Stanford yeah. and Cal. Two like, of the, by the way, gonna, two of the greatest academic institutions yeah. now have their landing spot. They just
1: show up, take the check, and walk away. Exactly. Thank Exactly
0: and they're st- they're still a full voting member. I know, it's just it's crazy
1: what what Notre Dame is able to get away with sometimes and just when I saw that they are going to be included in the pot as a full-time member, it's just like, well done. Well done Notre Dame.
0: And now they have 18 full voting members in the ACC, 17 teams in football though. Like I it's just oh. so it's huge. It's so They've wild. all they're in, they're all so inflated because what is it? Yes. 16 16 18 18 now? Is that what it is? Mhm. Wow. The Atlantic but the, like it also is like a, if you didn't think regionality was already dead we have the atlantic oh, this was the atlantic the coast conference has two teams on the pacific coast <laughs> have you seen Stanford people say it should Nor- be norcal uh, the, the, the all
1: coast conference is what it should the be the all
0: coast conference not the atlantic well
1: done, coast the conference
0: done the it's just it's it we have we have strayed farther and farther from the light that's just what it is man that is what it is now with uh, smu out of the aac I guess the question now becomes, that was one of your most powerful brands in yeah, the AAC? Yeah, for sure. What do you do to recover that? What do you do? I, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, great options. If you, I mean, if you could get some teams out of the Mountain West, that would be great. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because there's a $34 million exit fee. You'd have to wait uh, down the road um, to potentially do that. Um, I, I have no earthly idea who you could align with to really replace the power of SMU. But a couple names have come up, uh, and they are Army and Liberty are the two names that I've heard mentioned very heavily. Army would make sense. The Army-Navy game in itself is a hell of an attraction, a great rivalry, something that everybody tunes into last week of the year. Uh, before bowl season. People love it. So I, th- I think that, that there, there is some money-making opportunity. I do think you need to be careful, though, when you're talking about college football and aligning yourself with a team like Army. We've seen Navy sort of fall off because it's harder in this day and age with NIL and Transfer Portal and everything else. It, it's, a harder, it's harder for them. It's exacerbated uh, their ability like, to compete. Like It's been really hard for them to make up ground with the changing landscape of college football and college athletics as a whole. So I think you need to be careful there. Liberty is an interesting thought. Obviously, private religious institution, been really good at football the past few years with Hugh Freeze. Um, now they have Jamie Chadwell, and they paid him a fair amount of money from Coastal Carolina. I feel like they're going to continue to be good in football. Maybe that's an option, ultimately, that Mike Resco will look at, e- even more so than Army. Uh, and I'm curious about Army. They've been in an independent status for quite a while uh, how quick are they going um, to be to align with the AAC? Would they want to do that? Do you agree with the decision to not add the remaining two from the Pac-12? <sighs> so, yes, that is part of this. We did have Mike Resco release a statement today uh, regarding, you know, West, West Coast expansion. Um, he says they're all in unanimity that they didn't want to go into the Pacific time zone. Uh, he said they concluded the best way to proceed for our outstanding student-athletes is not to look westward. Instead, we plan to focus any expansion efforts on schools that allow for sensible and sustainable competition and student-athlete well-being with our strong geographic footprint. I do like the fact that he is using common sense where a lot of people are not using common sense. Right. worried about the money. Um, but I do wonder if this type of a decision, if you could have had Oregon and Oregon State and Washington State, I do wonder if this type of decision would come back to haunt you on the back end, leave you in a worse spot in the group of five. You, you, maybe, you know, you would, you would definitely have a stronghold on the group of five if you had those two schools. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah, you no absolutely would. Right. College football. Um, if you don't do that, though, you just wonder, you wonder how it's going to age. Is there a lack of foresight from Mike Oresko? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how it would work out. I don't know how much money they'd add to the conference, but seemingly it would make them a better conference if they added those two schools. It would absolutely make
1: them, I think, cream of the crop when you talk about the group of five you know, conferences and, and things like that, because it seems like now the only move for those two schools is Mountain West. Yes. It's got to be. It has to happen.
0: Well, well. <laughs> Unless. It's join the Mountain West or find a way, if you're the Pac-12 to just add as much as you can from the AAC and Mountain West. But I don't think that's going to happen. It's only two schools. So it would make sense for all these schools to jump out of a relatively stable situation into the least stable situation we've seen in into the history the of college co- athletics. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that would make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I wonder if, if not adding them could come back to haunt them. Um, in well, the meantime, we're not going to feel that. The though. strength in numbers...
1: Idea is is why you wonder if it would haunt you in the long run. But I will say his comments do seem like the most straightforward. About listen, it
0: this is getting nuts. Like this regionality yes. stuff is crazy. And he's always been there. Yeah, he's always been there. I, I as much as uh, Mike Resco may have like he, I think he's made fine decisions. He's made the decisions he's had to make as the AAC commissioner, and I don't fault him for anything. Any decision he's made to this point, even adding all of the schools he did last year. Um, but I think he's been great at sort of calling out where we're headed in the landscape of college football and sort of sharing the sentiments that not a lot of other commissioners want to share about hating the direction. Right. He's been good at that, to say the least. So there is that. I, uh, I do wonder, though, Oregon State, Washington State, how does this end up? Are they going to be able to take those losses? Are they going to be able like joining the Mountain West, are they going to be able to uh, make up for the lost uh, the lost money that they're taking from not being in the Pac-12 anymore. I wonder, I, I, this this is going to make their athletic department substantially weaker. Substantially. I've got to wonder what it's like being a fan of
1: one of those teams right now. Like week one is about to start, and your conference officially got the yep. got the bullet today. It's got to be. And you're a, the two it, left behind. It, that's what I mean. It has to be a weird feeling. Like does it just you're rip away? Does it rip away all the excitement from your upcoming season? Nah. or does it kind it of puts turn a damper in, on or it. does it turn into a major league situation it
0: puts a, a damper on it because you know that before next year you have to find a landing spot right you have to and it's gonna be a lesser landing spot no doubt so I I don't know I think also uh, one thing I did mention with Mike Mikecaresco I feel as if part of not adding them is they don't make enough money off their media rights deals to to really you know, rationalize traveling out to the West Coast consistently and making that geographic footprint massive. Talk about the American having the expenses, yeah, um, placed on every individual institution when they're not making a crazy amount on media rights would not make a whole lot of well, sense. Well, that's the thing about their deal. One of the
1: things that he has done well is that is the ESPN deal because it it, it allows the American to kind of wait and see for a second. But it doesn't allow you know, them to, to think, make these risks, like to go
0: out and get these teams. I don't think if you're any group of five conference, though, you really have the ability to wait, w- truly wait and it see. It like can't they have no do choice that. right now, though. They have really no choice. Unless they
1: want to add those schools or Temple, or not Temple, Liberty, and, and Army.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be something to watch. It is really going to be insane to watch how this all figures itself out. Yeah. Um, But I think in the meantime, watching the ACC, obviously the Big Ten, we know about their travel, but they make a lot of money. Watching these ACC schools with their payout, 30-some-odd million, travel out to the West Coast as much as they're going to have to do, the expenses they're going to have to put down, that's going to be interesting to watch how those those athletic departments operate as well.
1: What do you think of the idea? Because today, one thing I have noticed, too, is the discussion around SMU is that there keeps – this idea of them being able to return to the glory days of '87 and '88 keep, keeps being pushed today, and I'm like, there's been no evidence of this, no evidence whatsoever that it's going to turn into this powerhouse.
0: I don't want to trash, I, I don't want to trash SMU. Like I, I feel like I've done that already. But when we talk about Dallas and having a stronghold on that market, they have no hold on that market. Their fan base is small. Even when they're good, they're not turning out unbelievable attendances at basketball and football. Like uh, as much as I respect SMU as an institution, uh, the donor money they put forward, they've done really good with NIL and the changing landscape of college sports. I, I don't think the growth opportunity is near what everybody else thinks or what the ACC may think at the moment. Like that, it's just foolish to me. I've ne- I, I I've, I've been to Gerald Ford stadium. I've played in that stadium several times even when they were solid to when they were bad, they've never packed out that stadium. They have to be unbelievably good. They have to be an 11-12 win team to really get that fan base engaged. And is that fan base even at that point big enough to drive numbers up in the ACC? Absolutely not. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really get the SMU decision by the ACC ultimately. Stanford and Cal, I understand. Yeah, the it SMU, makes more sense. I
1: guess they were just like, listen, they're willing to pay –
0: they,
1: they, here's how. Here's how no, Here's in. what I'll say. People will
0: in. care more about SMU. Like, uh, sure. so the fan base will show up more to you know a Clemson game or we, like they'll they'll show up to some of these ACC games, but I think long term they're going to be a cellar dweller, and the fan base is is going to respond accordingly. This is how they got in. They they
1: called the ACC, and the ACC was like, "Did you say nine? And then, <laughs> did you did you really did, you just, say, did you say nine? Say Say that one more time. Nine? Okay, yeah, you can come. That—that's how they
0: got in. Yes, they paid their way in. They paid their way in. Pay to play to the precedent. Pay to play. We'll see. Now uh, we had some uh, week one college football. We had a little opening uh, night Thursday night. That was that was fun for the most part. Uh, Let's start with Nebraska because there's nowhere else to start besides Nebraska. That Scott Frost stench is never going to come off. I mean, them, are is they it?
1: cursed? What the hell? Two dude? and
0: fourteen in what one score hell? games in the past sixteen. Scott Frost stench is still alive and real. They're the residue of Scott Frost and what he did in teaching that program how to lose is still there. You got to learn how to win at some point. Uh, obviously, their only touchdown came on a double pass from Jeff Sims. Um, so it was a Big Ten game. It was slog, 13-10, Minnesota hits the field goal, but to see how they lost that game, and this has happened a million times over the past two years, I feel like, with, with Nebraska. They are, and I know people get annoyed with Memphis and, and how it, you know, the Houston game last year, pulling, the, pulling a defeat out of the jaws of victory. Nobody is better in the country than Nebraska doing that, though. They're special, um, honestly. And it's not that I feel bad for Nebraska, but it's getting to be cruel and unusual, isn't it? Fourth and 10. They hold Minnesota down to a fourth and 10, did a really good job all night on defense. And on fourth and 10, Daniel Jackson, they throw a ball to the corner of the end zone. I thought he was out when it was sort of the the regular speed. Oh, the catch was wild. I thought he was out. He dragged his left foot on fourth and 10 to get that touchdown to tie the game. Well, what And then, and then... If you're a Nebraska fan, you're watching that uh, PAT, yeah. and you thought the PAT was about to be missed. He almost shanked it. So it goes through, though. And then, on the ensuing drive, you have two minutes to go down. You bring in Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. You think he's going to lead you in the right direction. He had three picks last night, and the third one was the worst one. I couldn't believe he threw that pick in that situation. And then, obviously, Minnesota goes down, hits a field goal as time expires. Well, I, I don't
1: know. Have you seen the replay, too, of the false start by Minnesota? The hmm. obvious false start that would have basically negated any chance of the cruel, t- cruel and unusual. Cruel and unusual. I mean, truly. It's, you know, I talked about how ha- I have a few Nebraska fans yesterday when we were talking about Nebraska volleyball, which was still an amazing scene. Yes. Um They in the fourth quarter, before it started, they texted, we're gonna lose this game. Of course. They're, they they knew it. They knew it. They the fee- it, it is the fear that Nebraska fans have, I can sympathize with. It has to no. be a tortured existence. That's just when you look at the ESPN projections of winning when they do, like, the percentages, it's 94.5% yep. in the fourth quarter. And it drops off, like, the Grand Canyon. To zero
0: because to, they lose. It's like
1: they fell <laughs> right. when Louise did off of a cliff. Yeah, it's so I mean, bad. damn.
0: They, they just find ways to lose every single time out. But I will say this. I thought they had some grit last night. I thought there was some grit there. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, thirteen to ten, nasty big ten game, a drag on the road yeah. at Minnesota, game one of the year. It was a fight. A there was some fight. grit there, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people had counted out Nebraska going into that game. I still think Matt Rule can turn that thing around. I truly do. He's I, played, seem like a, right I guy. played Temple teams when he was at at Temple. Even when they struggled, they always played hard and they always made life help. It, what worries me though,
1: I agree they had a bit more of a grit to them, but they were sloppy. That That's the part that worries me. It's well, it's uh, great part, that you're gritty. It's great that you're, you're giving it your all. But even on the touchdown double pass that they had, it bounced to the guy.
0: The, <laughs> like, the, it bounced to him. The part to me that I just don't think sustainable is, ah, once you get into Big Ten play with some of the good defenses you're going to have to deal with throughout Big Ten play. I mean, play, that quarterback situation. I mean, you're going to have to deal with Michigan and Illinois and, you know, uh, just uh, Purdue, now Ryan Walters is a, is a good D.C. He's going to change that defense around Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Jeff Sims isn't good enough to beat those teams. That's the truth of it. He's just not good enough as a passer. He's got all the tools. He ran night, He had 19 rushes last night for 91 yards. He's fast. He's, he's definitely athletic as hell. He's got all the tools. He's just not a good quarterback yet. And I, I did pose this question yesterday. Casey Thompson, who's now at Florida Atlantic with uh, with uh, Tom Herman, because he knew him from Texas. If Casey Thompson was still the quarterback from Nebraska, I'd feel a lot better about that team. I really would, because I, I just I Jeff Sims. As much as I like his skill set, it just it was nasty throwing the ball. He's just not. He doesn't the best. He the doesn't best, take care of the ball well okay, enough.
1: The best pass of the night wasn't thrown by him.
0: Yep. It's, it's rough. That's tough. It's rough. Now, uh, Florida, yuck. Yikes. That's all I can say. Pre-snap penalty after pre-snap penalty just ruined They kept shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, talking with Mike Griffith yesterday from SEC Network, uh, you know, the discussion about Billy Napier and him potentially being on the hot seat if they win five, six, seven games, I think that's very real. And he said, you know what, even if they win seven games, as long as they're a well-coached team, I think – Florida fans could still be on board with Billy Napier. Well, they're not a well-coached team. There was nothing about that team that was well-coached. They were one for 13 on third down. The amount of pre-snap, they had three pre-snap penalties on third down that caused them to not get a first down. Uh, Just penalties all over the place. Uh, You know, Graham Mertz, I was not impressed. Did you know, though? Want Want to know a funny stat about Graham Mertz last night? Career high in passing yards. Get out 333 of here. Three hundred and thirty-three yards. Really? Career high in passing I yards. I didn't notice you for Graham Mertz last night, was, even though that offense didn't do anything of substance. Nothing. Yes, I I I, I feel like based on that first game um, against a backup quarterback for Utah on the road, I do not. I have no hopes for Florida this year, and I think Billy Napier is in some severe trouble right now he's gonna to have to buckle down as the season goes along
1: I, I sent you a thread you know as a Tennessee fan last night the message boards on Florida were just phenomenal to to, to watch it was a full meltdown full meltdown they want everybody fired <laughs> burn it down yep. rebuild it uh, Bryson Barnes looked pretty good
0: yeah he was okay he was all right you but need Cam he, Rising back you do need, but <laughs> and here's and what Nate I'm saying Johnson though. Nate Nate Johnson was- is uh, their, their backup quarterback who he ran the run. ball yes but he is is equally scary for you as he is for the other team. Because his legs are so good, but he I, how many times did he have trouble with snaps last night? He yeah. fumbled several snaps. He had a speed option that he almost threw away. He almost turned the ball over like 3 4 different times, he looked, but he jumpy. had that he had that unbelievable t- touchdown run there in the first half. I mean, he is uh he's all right as well but Here, they need cam rising back it, if they want to reach any type of potential absolutely they, just, they, it's just they're reaching for
1: the the drop off from cam rising to it wasn't as stark as i thought it was going to be and we asked the question yesterday in the opening segment we said how how's the secondary of florida well we found out on literally the first drive it was yep. just not there not good
0: not there they just took the top off they bombed, 70 yard touchdown it was touchdown. done game over immediately game yep. over yeah florida tried to hang in there for a second i did uh i was watching cam jackson transfer from uh Memphis to Florida last night to see how he would sort of look. He looked the same as he did last He didn't have any tackles last night. It was kind of rough to watch, and he, and he got a lot less because they have uh, more bodies to rotate through. He got a lot less snaps than he ever did at Memphis, so that was interesting to watch as well. Now, last thing, if you stayed up till about 3 a.m., you saw the end. Uh, well, and it was on Pac-12 Network, so not many people got to see it. But Arizona State versus Southern Utah, this is the old Mike Norvell – that staff special. He showed nothing of substance against Southern Utah, and the final score was 24 21 after a delay. 24 21 in Kenny Dillingham's opening game with Jaden Rashada over Southern Utah, who's a 5 and 6 FCS team. Just showed nothing uh, a from a an win. offensive playbook, just wanted to get through that game. With a win's a win. A win. Um, but Jaden Rashada looked all right for the first half. Um, five-star. We know that the the price tag was a little too steep for Florida, but Arizona State ended up paying it 17 for 32-32, two TDs, zero INTs. But this is the the uh, Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham special when it comes to playing an FCS team. They just don't take it all that serious. They don't want to show too much. Um, they want to get guys reps. And it almost came back to haunt them. That's way too close. That is uh, that's that's a sweat city. That's way too damn close. Now, the Tigers play an FCS team this week. It'll be Bethune-Cookman at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium coming up uh, tomorrow uh, in, in the evening. And uh, Frank Bonner is uh, very plugged in on all that. He's the football beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. He will join next. We'll talk about that. And as well, we will talk about the ACC and their additions as of today, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN.